Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Good morning, church. My name is Brandon. For any of those who do not know me, and I am one of the volunteer pastors here at Eastside Church. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Are you ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you that your anointing would teach us about your anointing this morning. Amen. 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 Great. We're going to talk about the anointing this morning. Are you ready? Okay. The first thing I want you to do is let go of preconceived ideas. Everybody say it preconceived ideas. I'm going to start with what the anointing is not. The anointing is not shaking. The anointing is not laughing. The anointing is not falling in the floor. The anointing is not a feeling. The anointing is not tingling. The anointing is not confusing. The anointing is not chaotic. The anointing is not for your entertainment and my entertainment, and the anointing is not dangerous. Okay? So let's have fresh eyes and fresh ears this morning and this subject that is all important, so much to the point that it is the name of the one that we serve, the anointed one. Let's seek to understand and to believe and to move in that. So let me define it for you. This is right off of Google. Anointing, to smear or rub with oil or an oily substance, to put oil on someone as part of a religious ceremony, to officially or formally choose someone to do or be something. This is out of an article that I read. I thought it was helpful. Let me read it to you. This is, this is from Roger Cotton. The specific practice of anointing by pouring oil on the head was used as a symbolic act for officially designating and setting apart a person for a certain public leadership function in the community. Everybody say setting apart. Setting apart. Ah, good, you're with me. The three kinds of leaders anointed for their ministries in the Old Testament were kings, priests, and prophets. Okay, plenty of scripture out there. You guys can do a Google search on that you'll find it. When God had anointed someone or authorized someone for leadership, he also provided the empowering of the Holy Spirit to do the job. Thus, an anointed one or a masiach in the Hebrew, sounds a lot like what, church? Messiah. Was an authorized and empowered leader. So I wanna take you through just a couple of these in the Old Testament very quickly as I lay just a little bit of foundation here. And what I want you to listen for in these scriptures as I share is this reality. The anointing is always tied to purpose and the spirit of God, okay? It doesn't stand on its own. It's not isolated. It's not floating out there. It's not mysterious. It's always tied to the person of the Holy Spirit and the purpose of God for doing the anointing, which is that smearing, that rubbing, or that pouring out of oil. On the priests and the prophets, typically smearing or rubbing. On the kings, they got it dumped over their head. 
Okay? So the first is in Exodus 30, 25 through 29, says this, And you shall make from these a holy anointing, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing. With it you shall anoint the tabernacle of meeting and the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, and the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy." Whatever touches them must be holy. What purpose do you hear in the anointing of the articles of the tabernacle? To make it most holy, to set it apart, okay? But do you guys see that right there? The anointing with purpose, the pouring out of oil, the rubbing of oil, the smearing of oil on, in this case, things, to consecrate them, to set them apart, to identify them as God's for God's purpose. You see it? Okay, cool. We'll keep going. So the priest, this is in Exodus 30, 30. Let's read that one. A lot of scripture today, y'all. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priest. Okay? Why the anointing, church? Why the anointing, church? For purpose. So they could minister to the Lord as priests. So they could perform the function, the work, the call that God had for them. Not so they could feel anointed. The Lord really wants to just break that in pieces this morning. It's not all about you and your feelings and your goosebumps or mine. Be assured of this. The anointing is incredibly real and powerful. And every time it's tied to purpose. Every time it's tied to who we are and what we do. And every time it's tied to an encounter with the spirit of God. Are you good so far? Okay. King Saul, when he was anointed by Samuel, this is in, where is it, Lord? First Samuel 9 and 10. King Saul, when he was anointed by Samuel, it says this about him. The oil was poured out. The calling was declared. And the spirit of God comes upon him and he was changed into another man. He was given a new heart. And then he prophesied with the prophets and people that knew Saul and came by said, is Saul among the prophets? Is Saul one of the prophets? And so again, all I want you to get at this point in the conversation is this, the anointing came. It was an an encounter with the spirit of God. And in this case, it changed Saul entirely. And prepared him for the call of God, the work of God, to be Israel's first king. King David, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, let's read that one. Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Anointing and the spirit of the Lord coming upon David from that day forward, probably about 10 to 12 at the oldest 13 when that happened. So all I really want you to get at this point is that the anointing is tied to the purpose of God and the spirit of God. Incredibly. Are you settled there? Good. Go to Luke 4. Luke 4, 18. Jesus makes this declaration. The spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that is a snippet or a tidbit out of Isaiah 61. I encourage you to go there and read the whole thing because it's all the mission of Jesus. And not only is it all the mission of Jesus, it's the mission of his church. It's your mission. It's my mission. It's the same mission. And what we're going to see that's incredibly encouraging is if we received the same mission, we've received the same anointing. Do you guys hear that? You and I have been anointed with what Jesus was anointed with. If I were to say that better, I would say you and I have been anointed with who Jesus was anointed with. Now, what's interesting is as we start Old Testament and kind of move toward New Testament, <laughs> the oil fades a little bit, changes, gets redefined. I believe, and I'm open to being wrong here, that the anointing of Jesus that he's speaking about right here happened just a short time earlier at the baptism of Jesus. When heaven was opened and the spirit of God descended on Jesus in bodily form, alighting upon him, and the father spoke from an open heaven and said, this is my beloved son and him, I'm well pleased. So you have the pouring out of oil and you have the declaration. You have, you have the calling and you have the equipping. I want that to really settle in our minds this morning. The calling and the equipping. You wanna know what the anointing of God is all about? The calling and the equipping, okay? So that's what happened. And then Jesus stands up and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do, okay? He's anointed me to preach. He's anointed me to heal. He's anointed me to set the captives free. He's anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He's anointed me. He's come upon me for this purpose. Do you see it? Okay. This is the heartbeat of God, y'all. People, the church. That's what the anointing is for. Okay. It's for us to lead well. It's for us to live well. It's for us to get victory. It's for us to minister with power. Okay? With me so far? Good. Good. Great. Where was the oil? At the baptism of Jesus. Was there any oil there? Talk to me. The Holy Spirit was the oil. God himself anointed Jesus with God himself. Did you guys hear that? God anointed Jesus with God. He did the anointing. He was the anointing. He conducted the anointing. He did the smearing. He did the rubbing. He did the pouring out. And he was the substance of that same pouring out. Same thing for you and me, church. Acts 10, 38 says it this way, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Do you see the purpose? Do you see the outpouring of the Spirit of God? So we can really get to this point in the conversation and we can make this statement with incredible confidence. The anointing of God is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Did you hear it? Yes. Did you get it? Yes. 
So you no longer need to take pause or be confused or be timid when someone says, talk to me about the anointing. Let's talk about the anointing. What's the anointing? Glad you asked. The outpouring of the spirit of God in the life of the believer to accomplish the purpose that God has for you and I. Okay? It's good, y'all. It's helpful. It's encouraging. I think there's two very important things the Lord would have me say. First is just give you a background, just an understanding. This is not mysterious. This is not vague. This is not spooky. This is not weird. Okay? It's normal Christianity. (laughs) Then we need to see the purpose. Okay? But when Jesus stood up here, he made a declaration This is something that's really been ringing in my heart. He made a declaration. Not only had the work been done, not only had the spirit been poured out in his life, but he recognized it. He believed it. He moved forward in it. He declared it. He acted upon it. Don't you think it probably took courage for the Lord to get up there and say, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. He's anointed me. He's poured out on me to preach good news and to heal and to set the captives free. And it was that faith and it was that declaration in part that allowed him and prepared him to move in the anointing to the degree that he did. I'm convinced of that, y'all. Without that declaration, without that stepping out, without that him recognizing and believing and moving in, I don't know that it would look the same. Here's why. Because there's an incredible principle in scripture and this is it. According to your faith, be it unto you. You guys hear that? That is so real. That is so huge in doing what we've been talking about for weeks now. Being carriers of the kingdom, right? Using the keys of the kingdom, bringing the kingdom of God Everywhere we go, the anointing is critical in that process and believing, understanding and believing the anointing that we have it and why we have it is huge in that process because according to your faith, be it unto you. Here's a scripture for you. Matthew 9, 28, 29. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. Do you guys hear that? Without their faith, would they have gotten healed? Not according to what Jesus said. So their faith became their reality. What they believed, what they acted upon, became the promise of God materializing in their life. Now, Jesus would have provided it just the same. It would have been there for them just the same, but their faith is what activated it. It's no difference with the anointing in your life and in my life until we buy into it, until we believe it, hook, line, and sinker, until it becomes a part of our identity, who we are, and we receive the boldness that the the Spirit of God gives to actually move forward in that and walk in that, it will seem like this. I'm not anointed at all. That will be where you live. And as long as you buy into that lie, that will be your reality. 
the tragedy is you'll be anointed the whole time. Do you guys hear that? Okay, so we are anointed. Same mission, same anointing. Think about what Jesus said. The spirit of the Lord's upon me. Preach the gospel to the poor. Heal the brokenhearted. Set the captives free. Open the eyes of the blind. And then listen to what he says our mission is in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Sound like twins, don't they? And then you add on, as the Father sent me, I send you. And then you add on, make disciples. And then you add on, as I am in this world, so are you. And then you add on, you're ambassadors for Christ. Representatives, same mission, same anointing. Same God that was poured out on Jesus has been poured out on you and on me. We have the anointing. Here's some scriptures to prove that to you. 2 Corinthians 121. He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Do you hear it? He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Has anointed us. In Corinthians, you have an anointing. In 1 John, 1 John 2, 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. That's incredible to me, y'all. Listen to that language. The anointing abides in you. The anointing teaches you all things. The anointing is not a lie. And now take that over to John 16, 13, which says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes upon you, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, that's what he'll speak and he'll show you things to come. The anointing is the spirit of God himself for you and I, poured out in our lives. But again, first big thing I want you to hear, according to your faith, church, that's what it'll look like for you. To the degree that you believe that, that God has called you and equipped you, set you apart and empowered you, enabled you, qualified you to do what he wants you to do, to be who he wants you to be. That's the degree you'll walk in it. Here's the proof. Think about salvation. Did you walk in relationship with Jesus before you believed he bled and died and rose again for you? He was ready to for you too, years before you did, right? But it did not become your reality until you believed it. You professed it. You walked in it. It is no difference with every other promise of God in the kingdom. The process is exactly the same. See that? You see it. You have an experience with the Lord. You hear it. You're persuaded by it. You believe it. You profess it. You walk in it. And then, before you know it, it's your whole life. That's what it looks like. So, you have the anointing. Do a favor for me. When you get up tomorrow morning, look at yourself in the mirror and go, Good morning. Alex Barefoot, anointed of the Lord. Good morning, Misty, anointed 
of the Lord. Good morning, Seth. Anointed of the Lord. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, David. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Tony. Anointed of the Lord. That will change your life. Why? Because faith activates the promises of God in our life. It's what makes them a reality. So we have to believe that we've been anointed. Can I tell you when it happened, at least for sure, when it happened one time? (laughs) When you came to Christ. When you came to Christ and you and I came to Christ and he made us new and he sealed us with his spirit and the spirit of God came in to take up residence, there is an incredible scripture in Exodus. Lord, help me have the right one. I want to say Exodus 29, 29. Listen to this. And the holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them. Did you guys hear that? Talking about the priest after Aaron. That's us. Aaron is a type of Christ. Talking about us, a foreshadowing of us, will put on his garments to be consecrated in them, to be anointed in them. So when you and I came to Christ and we were made new, we were anointed in his garments. We were set apart for his purpose. It's good news. We just have to believe it. Now, in closing, let me tell you what that means. I have another 10 minutes, so don't get too excited. In closing... I struggled with this message, and this is where I struggled. Lord, if it's done and you don't have something for the church to seek, I don't want to tell the church to seek. The last thing you guys need is someone who's leading you to chase your tails. Okay? And so I said, Lord, is it done? Or is it present? Is it future? Is it still out in front of us? Basically asking this question, are there multiple anointings? Yes, was the answer. Both. He didn't give me one or the other. Yes, it's been done. Yes, you've been anointed. Yes, the Spirit of God was poured out on you the moment that you met Christ and maybe many times since then. And yes, there's more. Yes, there's multiple. So then it becomes a question of why, Lord? Why is there multiple encounters where you're dumping your spirit out on us? But let me give you the scriptures first. So you know there's multiple anointings. You know I'm not lying to you. Is this helpful, church? Yes. Good. Thank you, Lord. John 20, 22, Jesus breathed on them after his resurrection. So now they've professed that he's Lord and they believe that God's raised him from the dead, which is the criteria, the qualification for being able to be born again. After his resurrection, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, either that happened or it didn't. And I believe it did. So they received the Holy Spirit right there. They were anointed right there. They had, they had God himself apply himself to them right then in the presence of Jesus. And yet, 48, 49 days later, it happened again. Acts 2.4 says that the 120 who were gathered and they were praying, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with other tongues. 
(laughs) And then it happens again in Acts 4.31 when they're praying for boldness and it says the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And so my question is, And it's a fair question, church. Like we've been made to feel guilty a little bit for asking it, I think. It's a fair question. Why, Lord? Why multiple anointings? Why do you pour your spirit out over and over again? I don't have a problem with it. I love experiencing you. But why? Did you not do it right the first time? Is it broken? Was it not enough? Was it lacking something? That's a fair question, y'all. So in the last couple minutes... Let me tell you how he answered it for me. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, David was anointed, 12-year-old boy, to be king. The oil was dumped on him. You know when he became king? 30. 30 to 35. Some of the things I've read. Right in there. So you do the math, church. 17, 18 years of shepherding, of being uh, in the king's court, of being rejected, and then being made a commander in the army, probably as a setup and a snare to get him killed, and then being chased, and then being hunted, and then seeing people die on his account. Ahimelech the priest, 85 priests who helped him were slaughtered on the account of David. Like he saw men lose their families. He saw terrible things. He experienced terrible things. And at the age of 30, in, where is it, Lord? 2 Samuel 2, 4. At the age of 30, at Hebron, he was anointed king over the tribe of Judah. Just over the tribe of Judah, church. Anointed at 12, identified at 12, spirit of God poured out at 12, called and equipped at 12. And then at 30, goes through the same thing. And then at 37, he's anointed king over all of Israel. So for seven years, he continued, his life continued to be in turmoil. He continued to fight uh, Isabeth, or however you say his name, Ahobasheth, maybe, was king in Israel and he was attacking David. All that was going on during that time, even though he had been anointed twice now. And then he was anointed again at the age of 37. And so, again, my question was, Lord, why was once not enough? Why three anointings? And this is what the Lord showed me, and I, I think this is beautiful. He said, the only thing missing from the anointing of David at the age of 12 was David. The rest of David's life, the next 17 years, the next 18 years and everything that he encountered and everything that he experienced and all the wounds that were inflicted and how his understanding of people and tragedy and loss and the power of God and the victories and his concept of who God was, was not present at age 12, but what was present was anointed. What was present was called. What was present at age 12 was equipped but it's not the same thing that was anointed at age 30. 
Did you guys hear that? Thank you, Lord. Same spirit, same power. Different David entirely. Just let it settle. What changed was David. And then seven years later, he was different. He had been made new many times over. He'd been rescued. He'd been humbled. He'd seen the faithfulness of God. There were different things to be established. There, were, there was different truth to be guided in. There were different wounds for the healing anointing oil to make well. This is why multiple anointings. Because we're not static. We're not stale. This is what the Lord wanted to say this morning. One, believe in the anointing that you have. Believe in the encounter with Christ that you've had when he's, when he's poured out everything he is on you and to you. Believe in the times that he's affirmed your calling and your election in him because we are a kingdom of priests and we are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So believe in that, have confidence in that, move in that, but also have an incredible expectation for the Lord to keep pouring out. There's fresh oil, church, because you are not the same person that God anointed five years ago. Amen. You are not the same person that the Lord may have anointed two weeks ago. It's unique. David, in all three of these anointings, had such a unique circumstance, such a unique situation, such a unique understanding of God. And the Lord is not content to anoint what is in the past. Did you guys hear that? He wants to anoint right now. He wants to heal right now. He wants to set free right now. He wants to call. He wants to equip right now. And so it's not one or the other. Lord, have you anointing or will you anoint? It's both. It's both because he values incredibly the unique place where each one of us are, you know? You're not the same Alex that you were before your son was healed of MS. You're not the same Brent that you were before your son was healed of cancer. You're not the same Cecilia. You're different. And the Lord knows it. And he's sensitive to it. Tony, Terry, you're not the same that you were a week ago. <laughs> Everything's different. Everything's changed. Life-defining moments that we go through. And the Lord says, I'll do it again. I've done it before. I'll do it again. And he's just looking for a group of people to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Do it again. 
Do it again. Do it a thousand times more. Because you've anointed me before. But you've never anointed the person that I am right now. Amen. Let me pray for you. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.